friends, and thank you for joining me again as we look into Paul's letter to the Romans. Today we're in chapter 12. Now remember, in the last couple weeks, we looked at how Paul sets up the first part of the letter. That sin and, by that same token, redemption are universal. That all people have equally fallen and therefore God is equally merciful to all people. In chapters 9 through 11, remember, which we we would have just finished if we were reading this letter linearly, Paul has just made the argument that the Gentiles have become full members in the kingdom of God as it was always God's plan because God has always been saying the people who aren't my people are the people who I will call my people. And by that same token, even the Jews who are resistant to this becoming one with the Gentiles also now are the people who God says, guess what? If you're on the outside, it means I get to bring you in. So there is either a reality or a plan for all people to be included together in God's family 100%. So now that Paul has done this sort of theological rationale for how God is the God of all people and all people have equally received God's mercy, Paul then transitions into these last couple chapters in the letter on, well, if that's the case, how do we all actually live together, worship together? How do we not just be the family of God in theory, but how do we put it into practice? And so that's what we look at when we turn to chapter 12 today. Paul starting to show them how to go about thinking it about it in order to practice it. And so we're just going to look at the first two verses of chapter 12 because I think you're going to see there's a lot here, particularly a lot that's hiding behind our English translation of these uh, verses. And so we're going to break it down. And I think that as you start to see what's hiding behind that, I think it's going to become obvious what we need to do in order to put this into practice. Paul writes, and this is according to the NRSV, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, obviously, Paul is talking to the Romans en masse. He says, brothers and sisters. Okay, so we know that he's writing this to a group of people. It is not an individual letter to another individual, but rather to the entire church. So it doesn't surprise us when Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, your bodies there is just like it sounds in English. It is plural, meaning your individual bodies. So E.B. presents her body, and Jen presents her body, and Bob presents his body, and so forth. And all of these bodies are plural. They are various. They are many, which is what our emphasis this week on the letter to the Romans is. How is it that there are many members but one body? How is it that there is one spirit but many gifts? So here's what's interesting, how Paul starts to weave this together. While your bodies, your individual bodies is plural, a living sacrifice, there in the middle of verse 1, that's singular. 
We offer, as the body of Christ, we offer one sacrifice to God. And that one sacrifice is made up of our many persons, our many bodies. And I think that this is really interesting and important to emphasize, particularly in the very individualist culture that we live in. We have a tendency to think that my relationship with God involves me and God. And yet that is not how Paul understands it. Your relationship with God is you and God and everyone else participating in this relationship. We have been called en masse. God has called Jews and Gentiles. He has called men and women. He has called all that lives and breathes to worship and to fellowship. And so therefore, if we have been called together, then we have to serve together. We have to worship together. It is our corporate entity that presents this sacrifice to God. And so while every one of the members is absolutely important, each one is also important to the others. We can't present our living sacrifice without everybody involved. Now that's a level of trust and dependence that we have to cultivate in our relationships with, with others in the kingdom of God. To see them as a vital part of my relationship to God. Not just that they have their own relationship to God and we have a relationship with, other, with each other, but rather my relationship to God is interwoven in my relationships with all of those around me. And together we offer one living sacrifice. In fact, Paul goes on to say, this is your spiritual worship and that your is plural. I often think that we really need to have Southern uh, translators of the Bible because it would be a little easier to separate this. What he's saying is it's y'all's spiritual worship. So getting all of these various, diverse, and many people together, that is an offering, a sacrifice to God. And then we go back to the plural, which is how all y'all worship. You all worship individually by coming together and forming a united whole. Then in the second verse, Paul says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. That is unfortunately not the best translation of this word because while our translators have interpreted it as um, singular, your individual minds, or excuse me, as plural, your individual minds, the word is actually your, plural, mind, singular, y'all's mind. That's right. We have been called to share a mind. Now, here's what this doesn't mean. This doesn't mean that we all have to think the same thing. This doesn't mean that we all have to agree all the time. The word here that he's saying about your mind, y'all's mind, is really a mindset, a mindedness. So it's not the individual thoughts and opinions. It's a general orientation. Basically, he's saying, be transformed by all of y'all turning and facing the same direction. 
so that you have very different opinions and thoughts and ideas and creative inspirations, but you're all facing the same way. And so you are minded about the same things. Now, I think that that right there is the good news of living and worshiping together in community. We are all called to be the fullest expression of our own individual selves and can all contribute something very unique and very um, special. However, we're all called to face the same direction so that we're working towards the same good, so that our minds are fixed on the same thing. And if we're all using our individual gifts that are varied and many, but we're all using them in the same direction, well, that's why Paul says, so that we can discern what is the will of God and we can do those things that are good and acceptable and perfect. I think that's really the good news that we need not sacrifice individuality in order to be unified. In fact, Paul goes on to enumerate what all of those gifts are. And he talks about those who have the gift of prophecy and people who have the gift of ministry and teaching and those who are gifted in uh, encouragement, in generosity, those who offer compassion as their sheer form exists of existence. And I love that the last one in verse 8 is those who are gifted in cheerfulness. I like to think those are our stand-up comedians, right? There is a place for everyone here, regardless of what their gift is, regardless of how they have been uniquely shaped by God. And yet, yet, they're all facing the same direction. They are ministering to God's people. They are demonstrating compassion to the world God loves. They are giving in the same way that Jesus Christ gave himself up for us. And when all of these various members are all doing their individual and different gifts, but they're all putting them towards the same energy, they're facing the same way, they're oriented to the things that God cares about. Folks, that's when we get traction in the world. And that's when we become the fullest and best expression of what it means to be the body of Christ. Thank you so much for being with me today, and I'll see you next time when we talk about Romans 13.